The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Meta Talks, where we bring in experts to dive deep into all things metaverse. With your hosts, Kate Hancock and Daniel Robbins. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, it's very well said. Um, I could just add just a little bit of a context of what we do. And uh, we started as a, a, a photo and then video tooling company. And in 2018, we decided that we want to help our creators uh, to be able to express themselves in a more scalable way. Uh, so instead of posting videos and photos, we want them to also be able to uh, post their entire creative process. Uh, hence, their ability to talk about like you know how they adjust their lights, how they adjust uh, overlays, or, or or tweak their photos. And we develop a, a QR code format, and this co- this format uh, encapsulates all the different changes a, a person, a creator makes to their photo and video. And today, we have over a million uh, QR codes generated on our platform every month. Uh, these are creators, uh, influencers who just want to share to their fans. Uh, this is how I edit my photo. This is how I edit my video. And then they can sell uh, these uh, filters to their fans or just distribute it freely so that uh, their fans can engage with them better and understand their, their aesthetics and their identity better. Wow, that's very interesting. Um, what was the reason why with this new creator's economy, um, can you tell me the backstory why you created this site from empowering people to tell us more about mission um yeah so when 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 we started the company we thought from the perspective of what is the next generation of future entrepreneurs uh, are they going to be uh, tech workers are they going to be someone else uh, what kind of things they're going to create you know in my generation when we think about creation we thought about you know writing apps uh you know making uh become app developer um, but more and more often, you know, just like millions and millions of apps are being published as app developers, we're, we're looking at this uh, transformation of content creators um, where people start their YouTube channels, their TikTok channels, and, and they want to grow their career, all of it, just like tech entrepreneurs. So that's kind of the perspective we have when we start a company is how can we um, build a company to really serve the next generation of entrepreneurs and make them really, really successful. Now, tell me, what, what are you excited about as we are heading towards Web 3.0? I mean, this your mission seems to be really aligned, the whole concept of, you know, everyone can be who they wanted to be, um, creators economy, everyone can make money. Tell us, tell us, you know, what's your angle into that? For yeah, for, for us, um, because we are a creative company, we think about creative identity all the time. It's sort of... You know, every, everything a creator do nowadays, um, every comment, every act, uh, everything they use is a reflection of their identity, um, you know, including the filter they use on their photos uh, and, and then their life they're, they're, they're uh, depicting on their social media. 
what Web3 means for us is really this uh, concept of uh, interoperability. It's, it's so that, you know, when um, a creator does one thing, for example, you uh, have a certain filter that you create it uh, for your full and video, how does that same color aesthetic can transfer into a different scenario? For example, when you're also getting into a game that does world building, uh, how can I how can I transfer and link my previous identity that I've built in different platforms and, and then be able to uh, put that all together and then also put putting uh, your, your personal control into uh, your identity. That's sort of how we think about uh, Web3 and the impact to the creative ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely, because that is the num number one problem with a lot of this virtual world. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, communicate to each other. So that's really awesome. And I, Moro, Dan just mentioned you got funded fourteen million dollars. How how is that journey getting funding this 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 company Polar? So when we uh, we last raised our Series A uh, for for around eleven point five million dollars uh, in twenty nineteen, and before we raised another two million dollars in seed. When we raised our Series A in twenty nineteen, um, the investors were really believing in the the potential for a company to build uh, the creative tool chains. Uh, it wasn't necessarily in the in the NFT uh, or, or the Web3 space. It was it was it was on the belief that this company, this team can really figure out how to make the best tools for creators to express themselves. Uh, now that Web3 became, um, you know, a, a, a macro trend and we, we happen to have a really good match uh, with what's happening in, in terms of creator um, success and Creator economy. Um, that was really kind of the, the reason why investors uh, gave us money. But it was not very easy for sure. Uh, you know, we had to go through a lot of pitch meetings, uh, showcase uh, our technology. And then at the time, we already have two or three million monthly active users. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a journey, uh, but everything, every company has to go through that process uh, to get funding and be able to hire people and keep doing what you want to do. Yeah, if you, what advice would you give to anyone who's trying to raise money at this point? What are some of the learnings during that journey of getting funding? I, I think having a strong vision, it's um, super important, uh, you know, especially for early stage VCs, they're really betting on the team, they're betting on the company, uh, even if you don't have a complete picture figured out yet. Um, but your conviction, your passion toward what's going to happen in the next 10 years and be able to explain backward the step to step. Uh, which step, which phase you're in, and, and how do you plan to 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 eventually get your vision? Um, you know, I think that's really kind of the, what matters uh, mostly for early stage fundraising. Wow, I really love that. Like, do explain it backward. I think that's the first time I've heard it. Dan, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean that, that's that's definitely different. I think it's uh, you kind of always hear the same story. Maybe the, maybe people don't tell you the 100% truth on, you know, how they got funded or suggestions. So it's great to hear different perspectives um, as well. But I am curious, have you guys thought with, with how NFTs and, you know, a lot of what you, you've you been talking about and doing for the last few years, I think it's becoming more and more popular and more and more a thing and more accepted now. Um, do you see anything with NFTs or anything in there be, you know, being a part of the company in the future? Uh, definitely. Uh, so, like I mentioned, we have over a million uh, filters generated on our platform. We have more than 100,000 creators um, that actively create uh, polar filters uh, on the regular cadence. Um, most of these creators 
today, if they monetize, they sell on you know SC, they sell on uh, WeChat uh, platform or Alibaba's platform in China. Um, they don't really take any Web three based transactions. They're still like trying to just charge normally as how you sell. Uh, there's definitely limitations in terms of um, you know once someone let's say if I'm a, I just want to buy your filter, I buy I want to buy aesthetics. Once I get it, I can only use the aesthetics within our ecosystem. Uh, that's one limitation. You can't really use it. Let's say you want to wear your uh, your, your filter, you want to see the, the world in the VR, you can't do that. Um, by hooking up our uh, ecosystem to uh, to Web3 and blockchain, it really opens up a lot of opportunities for other developers to develop on top of what um, you know the fans on Polar already collected in terms of all the different filters. That's one thing. And the second thing is you know having NFT can help um, Define fair market price right now. Uh, a creator can decide, okay, like my filter costs a dollar or two dollars. They can't quite um, reasonably expect, like, you know, whether it should be one dollar, two dollars versus, like, you know, this is exactly one, say, token. And then the market can determine what that token price is based on supply and demand. And definitely will make, uh, make the market a lot more efficient. The things we do want to avoid, though, is, is you know, when we think about NFTs, especially for, for Polar, we, we want people to actually, you know, buy these uh, Polar filter NFTs in the future and then actually use it uh, versus like, you know, you want to like own it and then sell it later. So, 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 so one way we've been thinking about is, you know, we, you know, a, a Polar NFT can, 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 can be used for um, editing some other NFTs, right? Like, you know, because by definition, Polar filter is a process to manipulate and change content. So um, you can imagine that a, a, that's more like a frame of art where you have the art NFTs and then you have a frame that change and decorate it and you can like uh, produce uh, siblings or, or produce children with another NFTs. And I think that would be a very interesting direction for us as well. No, thank you. And I know we're seeing a lot of the, uh, and that's very interesting, by the way. I like, uh, that's a good perspective around it's not about the, buying and selling it's less about investing and more actually utilizing the nft for something how do you see with all the virtual worlds and there's so much talk around people wanting to create um like clothing and fashion but i'm not really seeing that many people in the virtual world and even the avatars right now they don't always look so lifelike where i don't know you know how much i'd want to put a, a dress and some shoes on them maybe in the future when, when things look better. But how do you see that being incorporated where people are buying like clothes and fashion? Do you think that could be something where within your organization, people could design those? And how do you feel about the industry just overall? Um, I think we're on the on-ramp uh, to, to, to get to um, a place where um, a lot of the infrastructures, a lot of the experiences are, are just coming together, right? If you, if you look back, um, virtual experiences five years ago versus today with, you know, Quest 2, you don't have to haul a whole power cord and, and then everything's built in. The, the development is very fast. Uh, I, I think, um, you know, identity is really the biggest piece in other words. Imagine like you can be however you want, right? Like, like most people don't get to decide their gender, their height, their, their race uh, when they're born. Uh, that's just how they're naturally be given, and that's their factual setting. But a lot of our societal issues, a lot of you know, especially like younger generation, is not about like how I want to uh, you know express myself. Right? Maybe there's a piece of clothes I can't afford in real life, but you know, I can I can I can decorate myself whatever however I want however I want to express myself. So I think that's the true power 
So I think it's inevitability um, that we will get to a place where you can build um, a, a very realistic experience of your personal avatar and being, you know, that's your main identity projecting yourself uh, to the external world. But it will definitely take time. And, and, um, and because I believe in this, uh, this free freedom and, and free freedom of expression of identity, um, and obviously a lot of developers, in other words, does, I, I think as, as industry grows, um, you definitely see more as rendering capabilities, GPUs getting better and then smaller. Um, you know, I know like on, on full-blown PCs, uh, like Unity and then some of the other gaming engine company can already do very, very realistic. Um, rendering of people, and I think that's definitely if that's what people are looking for, they can go that way. Or sometimes people just want like more cartoon nation, and that's totally fine too. Uh, if our capability goes up, um, you know, in, in 10 years, 20 years, you won't be able to really tell apart. You know, if you want to describe yourself or express yourself in a, in a very particular way, it should be possible. Hmm. I'm, I'm kind of curious with you having a lot of competitors in this space, how do you stay competitive and making sure, you know, you're going to stay here for a very long time? As we all know, technologies get disrupted. It's just a matter of time. A big giant could just squash you. Um, what do you do as a founder? For, uh... um, we currently do have a few um, to, to make competitors, right? Uh, in terms of uh, ecosystem that allow people to make filters and distribute filters, there's us and there's um, Snapchat lenses, uh, which is internal to their ecosystem, and then Facebook AR lenses, which allow creators to make like your virtual lenses. Um, I, I think for us, it's really um, there's a few things. Is we're really catering to the Gen Z and Gen Alpha. A majority of our users are under 20 years old. And um, they they like a more open and supportive uh, brand that that doesn't really try to dictate like what what's beautiful what's not. Um, you know, our platform we don't promote anything. We we, we basically give the entire system to you. If you go to our app, you, you see like all the popular filters people made. It's, it's all completely voted um, by by the community out there. So so we have a different philosophy operating that's more catered to the younger generation. Um, and to defend against. Later, more upcoming competition, you know, the answer is always a network effect. Um, today, we have, you know, hundreds and thousands of accounts that, that publish and, and create polar filter. We already have a social graph of who is following whom, you know, who is using filters made by which person, how often do they do they create. We also run studies on the uh, aesthetic categories, right? Like how many different categories of aesthetics and how people evolve over time. And, 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 and for our fans, um, you know, a lot of them have collected hundreds and hundreds of filters, and this is their de facto wardrobe of, of, their, uh, of, their, of their filters now. So, so owning that piece and, and then be able to uh, keep that and, and, and help people continue to, to build up their identity and, and then rely on strong network effect, it's, it's our way to fence off competition. Hmm. Thank you for that. Dan? Yeah, yeah I'm curious about and it sounds like you were kind of ahead of the time, by the way. You were like a few years before the popularity of NFTs. You kind of were doing something already similar. So um, I'm curious around the creator economy. I know you do a lot with you have a creator program. Obviously, this app that we're on right here has a creator program. LinkedIn has a creator program. So a lot of platforms are seeing that they have to do something. It used to be, you know, the creator didn't really have much legs to stand on or much say. But now we can see that a lot of platforms, it must be that they're going towards this because they need more creators. And there's so many platforms fighting for for the space of people. So how do you see this you know, emerging with 
with this creator economy becoming more and more and bigger, do you see a lot more companies starting to jump on this where they're actually willing to pay people and support people to do something on their platforms versus before where, you know, we were just data for them? Um, I think for us, the way we, we think about creators is if creators are successful, we are successful. Um, and the reason we have a creator program is mostly due to the fact that most of our creators, they are, they're not the typical TikTok and YouTube creators, right? Like if you think about like TikTok and YouTube creators, they're more like extroverted. They have to, you know, be comfortable from a camera. Uh, there's, there's a huge population of more introverted creators who are, who are, who are quieter. They're, they're not necessarily want to like do dances and stuff. Um, and, and there's a, you know, a lot of creators want to still express themselves, their identity. So they came to our platform. They, okay, if I have 30 minutes, I can choose to create a filter for someone versus doing a TikTok dance. And, and, and then, so we attracted a lot of the new mass of creators over the last couple of years, but then our, our creator program is really designed to educate them how to be better because this is not something they can just learn from TikTok. You know, we're basically trying to invent a new creative format and saying, hey, like, this is how you actually make your filter look really, really cool. How does it work across the board? So, so that's one part of it. The second is um, we don't really serve the top percent of the creators. I know like a lot of companies are thinking about, okay, like, you know, there's, let's only serve the people who are already making money. Um, for us, we're, we're really here for the long game. So our creator program is trying to, how, how do we get people who have zero followers and, 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 and no, uh, no social cloud and get them like teach them how to how to start to build uh, their audiences so when they do really do things really well we we you know we feature them we give them exposure and help them connect with the fans so for us the creator need is basically these two is it's, you know they want to be educated they want to be better uh, specifically for creating filters and we provide that and then secondly is they want to be exposed they want to have uh, access to fans that usually like every time you, you expose um, we, we we promote a creator over a week, their future can get like 200,000 to, to, to have a minute downloads. And that's what we do in our creator program. Let, let's talk about creator economy. And I love how you said, you know, if our creator is successful, then we can be successful. This is something that Clubhouse needs to learn. This is something, this is something that they, they... In Puerto Rico, we call ourselves Boricua. We are proud, passionate, and full of life. On our island, adventure finds you. Strangers aren't strangers for long. The size of the audience doesn't change the beauty of the music. And we celebrate every last ray of sun. Live Boricua. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know, they were doing it wrong. I mean, the, the last a year and a half, whoever dominated the space, put so much time and effort to build a community and then you get penalized. No one can see your room. I mean, it's something that's doing backwards. Like you put so much work and you're not getting 
you're not getting the benefit or the fruit of your labor. I mean, you get penalized instead because they want to spread out to everybody. Uh, what's your take into that concept of like whoever is getting all the traction, then you kind of like, okay, let's like meet you a little bit so other people can drive. How do you balance that as a founder, Boro? I think you know, a company first needs to decide who is your primary customer. Uh, you know, in any creator company, there's always a two side, which is you have creators, you have audience. And some company decided, okay, the creator is actually my primary customer, right? Like, you know, Twitch is a very good example. The, the creator's need is first and foremost. You know, their need matters most. And some company decided that, you know, creator is actually the secondary customer and then primary customer is the audience. And that completely changed how you, how you, how you function, right? Like, you know, then it's, it's about how to benefit the audience eventually, creating algorithm, rank and sort different creators, recommend the creators, and then that will be, uh, that's, uh, that's not the interest of creator. Creator wants to be able to control their own audience, right? Like you hear, like another example is TikTok, their, their primary customer is the audience. So creators complain, like, you know, I publish a video, sometimes my fan can't even see it, right? Like I don't really own my audience. Um, so I think that's the thing, like I found there is, it's important to think about who is your primary customer and then once you decide the parent customer, the features, the, the, you know, the, the vibe and everything that you do, it's going to be different. And, and for Clubhouse case, I can't speak completely. I think it's, it's still like evolving as a company just to trying to figure out. Uh, but the, the pain that, you know, Clubhouse creators are experiencing is definitely caused by their desire trying to, you know, maybe like have a little bit more emphasis on their audience experiences. Uh, but in my view, um, you know, again, this is, this could be philosophical, um, I think creators tend to know more about what serves their audience better than the company. And so, so sometimes like your you know, company can have a very strong opinion of, okay, this is what audience really, really need. And we want to like start to build up these experiences. We don't want to talk to creators. Let's just like build this, right? We have creators. We know exactly what audience is doing. That's one, that's one way that can like really push the company to be more of, of, of focusing on audiences and start to forget about creators. But the other way is, you know, ask the creators, how, how can I, you know, what would you do? Like, how, how do you serve your audience better? And then, and, then, and then think that way. So ultimately, you're always serving the creator need. And the, the you know, and then the trickling effect is you're also serving, you know, if you can serve your creator need, you're, you're eventually serving the creator's audience need, right? Because if the creator's audience doesn't perform well, the creator's going to leave. So, so I think, you know, like, Polar as a company, we're more uh, on, on the side of, okay, like our app not necessarily is designed to serve uh, the audiences. We, 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 we choose creator as a primary customer. Uh, we don't do anything if the creator doesn't think it's good, right? Like, you know, we, we don't really monetize your ads. We don't really, uh, you know, be, because creator is telling us oh, that's going to hurt their audience. Yeah. And, and as a company, how, how do you make money? Um, so today... Um, that's a very good question. So, so for us, we are the kind of company where we're trying to build the pie as big as possible and do not monetize until we feel the opportunity is, is there. Um, our um, kind of lot, our eyes on the, on, the, on the whole marketplace where um, creators can directly sell um, filters to their fans and, and, and then we take a pay cut and then let creators decide uh, how they want to uh, monetize. Um, but we do have a few stopgap solutions inside our app today that we are monetizing. Uh, those solutions are not long-term sustainable. Those are just, you know, a self-funding measure. 
So we currently do license. So we're, we're kind of like a, a little bit like a Spotify. We, we do buy out, uh, maybe not Spotify, maybe some other like music label. We do buy out the right for some of the creators and their filters. And then we, we, we redistribute it to, to users as a, as a subscription. Um, but the reason I said it's a soft gap because it, it doesn't fully address the need of a creator. Um, and then we, we can only like, you know, help a few creators. Uh, most of the transactions or P2P payments are happening today outside Polar. They're, they're happening like um, you know, outside platforms. So we're trying to like bring some of that into our own platform and, and, and then make, make it more regulated. You know, our creators, some of the feedbacks, they constantly get scammed by their buyers and buyers sometimes get scammed by creators or people stealing their, their filters after they bought it all the time. And, and that's sort of the direction we're going. It's trying to regulate that a little bit and then, and then you know, build a business model around that. I'm curious. Okay, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah. No, I think it's um, it seems so simple, yet so revolutionary to think. Why don't we ask the creators? <laughs> it seems like what most platforms, and I think you know what Kate was saying. Even I saw this with LinkedIn. LinkedIn took out of the you know six hundred, eight hundred, whatever million people, they took one hundred people, and you know gave them access to an audio channel and maybe asked them what they wanted. But what I've heard is a lot of them aren't even using it. And then you have you know millions of other people that would love to use it, but can't use it. And I always find that really fascinating. So I, I, I enjoy what you're saying around, you actually want to ask the people, talk to the people and give the chance to, it's not about how much following you have. You know, it's give the chance to people that don't versus like you mentioned, the ones who are already making money, who already have the big following. But why is it that companies don't already think this way? Because I think you're the only one I've heard is using your creator program in the way that you are. Most companies do the complete opposite. I think there's a little bit of time horizon and go rush, right? Um, so I think you see so many companies serving the top 1% of creators hardly make money because there's money there. The business model is very clear. Uh, you can you can build a company, it, you know, it's very competitive. You know, you can build companies on tax services, borrowing and lending and, you know, actual monetization subscription like it's all about that but then it, it, you know when you happen to talk to a lot of the creator company especially during the top they all have the same customers like who which who, who do you work with it's always the four and five the same guys so they're eventually gonna compete really really fiercely and that's that's one strategy to go right like you're, you're you're chasing after money and then you know there's nothing wrong with it but for us we also saw that you know our our dna of a company we're, we're more of a creative tooling company um, we, we want to invent new pre-creative process. And then for us, we, we saw what's happening in the battles there. We, we, we don't want to jump into the same group. That, that's one reason that, that, that costs, like we want to serve uh, the up and coming, you know, but, but then we also have a much longer horizon as a company where we do believe, you know, by helping the up and coming small creators, uh, these middle-class quote unquote, will, will become a much more powerful force. Um, you know, when they, when they, when they grow up, I mean, they are successful in the future. So that's what we're betting on. I'm kind of curious, Burrow, is this something you've been wanting to do? What was your background before creating Polar? Uh, I was, you know, this is my first company uh, after straight out of school. Uh, I never worked. In <laughs> I have to say that company. makes us feel very bad. Uh, you, this is your first company. You got $14 million funding, like, you know, that, I mean, that's, it's, that's it's, very it's, good. It's, it could be better, but yeah, it's doing all right. You know, I also miss like, you know, what if I, I have a more regular job and I might like, you know, balance my life a little bit better. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I study HCI and AI in Stanford. So HCI is human computer interaction. It's about how human and computer interact, basically. Um, yeah, I'm always fascinated by, you know, what makes, you know, people want to, um, I guess, like, want to be creative and what gives them creative confidence. You know, I would, when I was a kid, I always thought that, like, having good grades is, is it's what all matters. You know, I was, I was born in China, uh, raised there. Um, but later I realized that I, I got a lot more satisfaction when I say I, I, I take a photo and then my classmate really like it than, um, then like I, I did a really good job in the exam and my, my parents like it, you know, because I feel like as a person, everybody can do the exam. It's, it's un uniform. Everybody does the same task, but as a creative thing, like when someone like what I create, it's, it's the validation of my creative identity. So that sort of really made, made me think like, how do I, I can imagine a lot of the kids and, and a lot of the generation are, are having the problems is when they're growing, when they're 13 years old, like 20 years old, that their identity is just evolving. You know, when that, that's the part where if, if you create something and people don't support it, you, you start to really like pay back and say, oh, maybe I'm not that good. And I don't, I, I think that's terrible. And, and then so, so that's sort of part of the inspiration of the company is like, how do we give that creative confidence to, to, uh, to people? Um, and if you actually look at all the creators, you know, you go on Instagram, search for polar creators, um, you know, 50,000 uh, follow polar creators, each post they usually receive like three or 4,000 likes or comments. And there's no bad mouthing, there's no negative, there's no personal attacks whatsoever. We've been trying really hard to make that happening. And um, so that's, that's really the inspiration behind it. You know? we're, we're targeting that sort of group where they're, they're, they're teenagers, they're, they're really trying to... Um, you know, find their identity and be supported by, by founders and, and then give them the platform. And that, I think that's the, the whole appeal of creating a polar filter out there. Oh, thank you for sharing. Dan, can you, would you mind pinning the link of the, I'm kind of curious now, and I think our audience are wanting to experience and explore the app as well. Now, I'm kind of curious, how do you feel that pressure with funding and maybe investors like, we need to make money. Like, what is that conversation like? Like, do you tell them like, oh, this is a long-term game? I mean, how do, how do you report to investors? I'm curious. Yeah, so um, so we are very lucky to have very uh, good investors to, to do a plug. So our Series A is led by Threshold. Uh, they were formerly known as DFJ, and then rebranded into Threshold, and our seed was invested by Pair. Um, you know, and so both investors, they, they're, they're more founder driven. They, they look at like, what do you want to do? Um, I think they all have success investing in the early, like 2000s, uh, sorry, Paris new, but like they actually have a lot of success in early 2000s. They've seen some companies can take years and years, right? If you think about like Lululemon as a company, take them like 15 years to eventually like get to where they are today. Some companies don't even figure it out after they go public. So, so there's a very long, or, or business model is not fully mature after the public. So, so there's a lot, lot of sort of visionary investors who, who, who want the founder to, to have this conviction. You want to dedicate your, your next 10 or 20 years of your life, really believing something. And then you have to be, explain, be able to explain to them, like, you know, this is your step one, step two, step three. Usually it's like the 20, 30 steps for you to get where you want. So for our, you know, board meetings and whatever, it, it's really like, you know, has our strategy or vision changed? If it doesn't change, are we still on track our steps? 
And if this snapshot is not related to monetization yet, you know, it, it's then we set a goal. Let's say we want this to happen in a platform. It happens, then we're doing really, really well. Um, so, so you know, it, it's just for to really create something innovative and disruptive. Having a very short time horizon of making money usually doesn't result like a, a disruptive innovation, right? You, you really have to believe in innovation, invest into it, and then and then you know see it grow. Uh, in terms of the metrics that really represent growth, which not necessarily is making money, and then later on, you know, you, you then deploy your strategy. It's kind of like a Uber and Airbnb, right? Like, you know, I, I think Uber is still, I don't know if they, they're profitable yet, but they they have this vision and mission going on for this long time, and they're still pursuing it. Dan? Yeah. So I'm I'm curious, and uh, and it's always wild, right? Like you're saying. Some companies they have to make profit, and some companies cannot make profit and go for a long time. Yet, you know, they'll still get funding. But for your next round or for future rounds, are you thinking about how your company ties into Web three as an additional point for new investors? And the reason why I say that is, I'm seeing, you know, I get some emails with newsletters every day, and they talk about where funding is going, and it seems like a lot of funding right now. Is going to any company that's within the. I'm just blanketing Web three or blockchain, right? Just putting it all in one category, just calling it Web three. It just seems like so much funding is going in there. Um, now a lot of it's coming where companies are maybe pivoting or adding in something about Web three, even though that wasn't their direction, but now they're getting funding. So is that something that maybe even every company has to think about in the future? What are your thoughts there? That's a really, really good question. You know, this is a debate we've been having uh, a couple of times in our company. Um, so right now, because Polar have a very strong community, we have, um, you know, a little bit over five, five million uh, monthly active users on our platform. Um, Web3 is still not a concept most of our users are familiar with. You know, our fear is if you introduce Web3, we'll introduce a complete new persona, which is speculators who are buying creator content. Uh, and that can drive, you know, the company into all sort of weird ways uh, in terms of priorities. So we'll be very, very cautious, right? Like when we when we interview our, our creators about their console Web3, you know, these are teenagers. And then sometimes we hear like, oh, like, you know, that's not for environment or like there are a lot of environmentalists, uh, you know, in our, in our young you know, minds and bright minds. So, so we have to be really careful. What does that do to to our existing community? So we're not as flexible as some of the other startups who don't have you know they, they have a blend, like a, a fresh state, and they can really drive like okay, this is this is Web three. But that doesn't mean that we're not experimenting. You know, like I previously mentioned that um, there's definitely obvious advantages if if we can convince our creators that if you're issuing NFTs, we, we literally have to convince our creators why NFT is going to help your fans because later on, at some undetermined state or date, you, they will be able to like plug in their, their filters in some, some other places. They have to be sold. And that's the hurdle we have to go through. Yeah. Wow. And I'm kind of curious, majority of your users, are they in the US or kind of spread out? Where are they from? And the 20 below something. They're, they're pretty spread out, you know, for video apps, US is our top country, it's for full app, uh, Asia is bigger, um, but it's, it's, it's quite uh, global. Um, and and it's, it's not like we are 
deciding which market to go into. It's just, it happens that like, uh, let's say a Brazilian creator on Instagram can have a lot of uh, US fans or Thailand fans. So they all like end up crossing top to each other. It's, it's hard to chase after which market is bigger. It's always evolving. Mm-hmm. And what's the exit strategy? Are you wanting to be acquired or in the long run or what the, what's the long-term game? You'd be staying or? I mean, for, for us, it's, it's all from the perspective of how to make the biggest impact. Um, you know, if, if there's a company that saw what we're doing, they want to join forces. And then if you believe that, you know, I think exit strategy is something that all entrepreneurs should be thinking about. I know like some entrepreneurs, they're just like, we, we just want to go public. That's the way we go. Um, but I, I think as a, as a mission for us is, is, you know, if there's a way to get millions of people be able to create their identity and then, you know, billions to be able to um, easily consume those, uh, those created process. Yeah. Like, you know, whichever way is the highest, um, give us the highest speed and acceleration is the best. Um, but for us so far, we are independent because we don't find any other company who will buy into the same mission. So mm-hmm. for that reason, we, 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 we will continue to, you know, to, 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 to push where we're the very company that's trying to like really push the thing to the, to the mountain up top and, you know, and, and, and then, so we're, we're remain independent. Um, if, if, uh, if that's, that's what it takes. Yeah. Boro, how many years you've been running this company? So seven years. around seven years now. Seven years, okay. Yeah. Dan? Yeah, no, um, it's, it's very interesting that you mentioned about the funding and uh, a lot of companies seem to be just jumping in, like you mentioned, the gold rush, where maybe they're not thinking about the long-term impact um, to their customer because not everyone really knows about Web3 or even you know, cares, like you mentioned. You ask one person about it, they love it. Another person, they hate it, think it's a scam. Then another person, they think it's something else. So everyone has like their own perspective and experiences. So I think that's that's different than a lot of people that we've interviewed. Yeah, and stuff I, that- I, I want to be, I want to clarify a few things. Uh, I'm not bearish on the whole uh, Web3. I'm actually extremely bullish. Uh, it, you know, I'm just talking about the perspective of when we have a company with a huge mass on Web2, to start to like jump into Web3, we have to be a lot more careful. Uh, but there's no doubt that um, the, the whole concept of, like, I definitely feel like, you know, there's a lot of great stuff in the in the Web3 in terms of interoperability, in terms of decentralized network. But there's always, like, a group of people that, that, that their voice is louder and then they can scream harder and then they tend to be the, the financial advisors or, or, or YouTubers. So sometimes uh, those voices can, can be a little bit, like, overshadowing the, the actually genuinely interesting technology stuff over there. But the, the, the cool thing is still there, which is, you know, you, you get companies who can access a, a uh, decentralized database, uh, remove the agents, right? Let's say, like, if, uh, if I donated to Wildlife and, and the REI had this campaign to, to give me a coupon, you know, on their gears, now there's not, it's not possible. You have to build an entire company. How would they verify? The thing about Visa, right? Like, you know, Today, like, we want to go to uh, Europe. I'm a, I'm a Chinese citizen. Like, they have to check to make sure I'm, I'm a real person. I'm not a terrorist. So, so all these kind of things, you know, agencies, uh, there's a complete, like, force um, with adoption of Web3 can, can disrupt that and make, make the world more efficient. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, for, for our company, it's a, we have to be really, really careful. 
Yeah, no, no, I love that. And that's what, basically what I was what I was referencing is is what you said there. And it's it's really going to be interesting around anonymity around the, you know, like the virtual worlds and will people actually be themselves? Will they put a filter to be somebody else? Well, every day maybe I'll be something different. So I could see, you know, this technology how it expands, um, but going into that virtual space, I'm really excited to to understand where, like who are people I remember back in chat days in like the 90s, you know, I don't think a lot of people were actually who they were. You know, you'd be like, okay, I want to be this person today. And because you're just a name, right? And you're just chatting. Uh, I'm, it's going to be fascinating with the virtual space, though, around are you yourself? Do you use your own picture? Do you use someone else's picture? You know, do you change every day? Um, so I'm excited for that. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah, I don't think it's going to be that different from today, reality-wise. I mean, people put makeups on, people dress up, people like, you know, have different uh, styles, styling for themselves. Um, you know, and and I'm a different person in front of uh, my family versus my friends versus my um, colleagues. So people have multiple identities that that they that they that they uh, create uh, around themselves already in today's world. I think Web three is just going to be make a lot more convenient, right? It's uh, there's going to be more. It's just easier to do uh, to to maintain that. But 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 I think the human nature aspect of like like maybe it's it's fine. Like you know like like if we all live in the metaverse at some point, why does it even matter like who you look like in real life? Nobody's going to know. <laughs> right and then 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 you can have uh, perfect control and, and and then you know and that's a lot of people in real life does that they, they always have a mask on about who they are and then it, it keep they keep that for their entire life because that's the ideal version of themselves yeah i'm kind of curious about that too because have when we were you know opening this metaverse master class here some people said i actually feel so much better living in my avatar than me as a person so it, it, it's kind of fascinating how people, you know, how they wanted to be viewed to the world empowers them. But at the same time, there's an effect as a person like, I don't like myself. I would rather be an avatar. So I, I think finding that balance as, as you know, I'm, that's fascinating to me. All right. Well, I know we're coming to time. But, Boro, I really appreciate you, though. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, really great perspective, by the way. Love the company. All the things that you've been doing. I mean, first company, got funding twice. Now you're building millions and millions of, of users and people every month. I mean, that is incredible. I think that's, you know, most of us would, and some of us would dream to have success of that right at the bat. But it seems like you put in the work. You studied, you know, I love the, the AI advancing technology many years ago. So definitely ahead of the game. I uh, would love to, to hear you in a few years from now exactly where you're going to be. I'm sure um, it's going to be incredible and where, you, where you're going to go and where your company is going to go. So make sure that you, if you're on Clubhouse, you can actually tap the top. Uh, if you're not, you can go to P-O-L-A-R-R.com. So P-O-L-A-R-R.com. And you can actually download the app, check it out. I was, uh, the last week or so when, uh, when they reached out about yourself, uh, I've been trying the app and it's been, you know, quite fun, uh, looking at some filters and downloading things. So I appreciate that, but 
Kate, anything else you wanted to add? No, I'm very curious to download the app and I'm going to start working on it. Like it's, it's very futuristic, some of the photos. So I can't wait to be creative. I have to say, I might have to ditch my Canva because I've been obsessed with doing that and using this plot. It's, it's really fascinating. I have to say, uh, as, as a founder of a, you know, first company, Voro, you're actually very well versed and um, you really were in there you know going messy and you know your company so well and your customer and yeah thank you I appreciate it i mean i've been i've been you know i've been doing this for so long it's like some people probably have done their third company anything else you want to add in case they want to find you uh directly personally besides uh polar p-o-l-a-r-r.com but for you borrow anything uh any anything that you want to share for the end um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not huge on social media, but, you know, I, my, I, I'm pretty active on checking my LinkedIn and, you know, you can find me there. And then we have uh, uh, my email, bore at polar.com, which is, uh, you know, if you have anything that you want to bounce ideas or chat, just uh, send me an email. Well, Bora, I think you, we need to officially invite you. Or I'm not sure if Dan mentioned, but we're putting together the biggest metaverse festival in, in Manila. So, uh, you know, like, that's like, I think you're, that's your audience right there. Yeah, yeah, happy to, <laughs> you know, uh, happy to check it out. You know, like, I, I, I really enjoy the conversation. I mean, like, you guys are, like, putting, putting a very balanced perspective um, on what's mm -hmm. happening, right? Like, being very cautious on the future while being excited simultaneously. I think, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of the, shows are very one-sided and it's, it's, you know, having that sort of neutrality and, and balance is important you know, for this kind of conversation. Yeah, well, we're honored having you here and we enjoyed the conversation and we've, you know, I, we really love listening from you and hey, it's fair and balanced, diversity, different input, might work some others, but we're here having this discussion. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe and visit metatalks.com. That's talks with a Z.